You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, February 11th. My name, as always, is your host with occasionally, maybe sometimes the most, Javier Reyes of this here Lockdown Padres Podcast, guys. You can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno. Both of those accounts are really good. A lot of memes on both of those accounts, a lot of dreams on both of those ca- accounts, some might say, especially my personal account, I'd have a pinio. Uh, you guys could also especially uh, reach out to those two accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and believe me, you guys did, but before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. They have a cool new coconut fudge brownie kind of flavor that's only out for like the next day. Go and get that one. It is... I think Apple Almond Crisp is my favorite, but it is close, and honestly, I'm willing to, if someone put a gun to my head, I might say this is their best flavor. It is so good. I ate like three in one sitting. They were so, so good. Guys, go check out that flavor if you have the chance. Uh, but today's episode, it is a very special one. We are doing a mailbag to celebrate my two, this is the 200th episode of Lockdown Pirates that I've hosted. That's right, 200. That's a lot. It's actually kind of insane when I think about it. And I've officially been with Locked On for a year, so this is kind of my anniversary. And what better way than to, to you know, to be among the people? You, the people, go and do as you please. God, the Dark Knight Rises is just... I love Bane. Um, so basically what happened over the past few days after this week, uh, I've started reaching out on the weekend. I put out a bunch of tweets and then also some posts on Facebook uh, and Reddit, which did a go as well, uh, for you guys to send me your questions. So that's what we're doing all podcasts. And we have a lot and a lot of really good questions. I'm not going to say I'm surprised that my listeners or any of my pals out there ask good questions, but I, I was like, wow, these are really, really good. So I'm really excited for them. Uh, and since there's so many of them, Let's just get right into it. Starting off with the first word, the first person who reached out to me always gets their first question answered. That is Zachary Shelton at MovieZFan89. If it came down to a Game 7 in the World Series for the Padres, which starting pitcher are you handing the ball to? Good question. I think that, in general, it depends. There's a makeup of the team. Who are the Padres playing against? Say they're playing against the Yankees or the, the Indians for somehow or the, the A's, the White Sox, whatever. It depends on what the general makeup of the team. It depends who has the momentum. If someone hasn't been pitching well, if somebody's maybe not unhealthy. That oh, There's all obviously so many variables in this. But I'm going to say, partially because it's just for the fun of it, uh, I'm going to say Blake Snow. I would love nothing more. And also, especially if it's against the Rays, I would love nothing more than Blake Snow, the guy who's basically become uh, even more famous after he was pulled very unnecessarily, in my opinion, and most other people's opinion, uh, from that game six against the Dodgers when he was just dealing. And I love the idea of him being a potential game seven starter in the World Series and really going out there and potentially uh, doing really well. That would just make my my day. Uh, it would be fantastic. But it also, like I said, it depends. It depends on who's kind of got the ball rolling. It depends on what the, the lineup is, righty, lefty split, stuff like that. But I'm going to go with Blake Snell for that. Thank you, Zachary, for the first question. Next up, we got to keep this moving, guys. Trust me. There's a lot of questions that we're going to get through. Uh, AJ Andrews at a 
underscore J underscore Andrews. What are your top three ballpark snacks? And no copping out with broad answers. I want specifics. Okay, AJ. <laughs> All right. All right. So my number one is Cracker Jack. That is, that is my number one ballpark snack. No doubt. No ambiguous thing about it. I don't know why, but... I only get those at baseball games. I never get them anywhere else. There's just something fun. I like getting the little prize inside, and they're super messy. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're an imperfect snack. They're basically kind of like kettle corn, except that they're 10 times stickier, which is a big weakness of theirs, and it's a little bit of a hassle to, to get that off. You have to go to the bathroom and all that, but it just feels right. I get them every single time. It's probably because when I was a kid, uh, I remember getting them all the time, so that's just become a tradition of mine. Uh, any flavor of ice cream, whatever the craziest possible flavor of ice cream is, I know at like Yankee Stadium, which is like kind of the only place that I've been to recently I forgot or I think I was at I think I was at City Field with a couple of friends of mine a few years ago I think that was the last game I went to I'm a big fan of all those over the tops like diabetes practically in a bucket or a scode whatever like the, the the Yankee Stadium flavors back to that like they have like these giant like churro wads like I haven't had that because I think that was relatively new and they started selling those when I was in college and I didn't go to any baseball games basically uh, while it was in the middle of uh, college for the most part uh, so I'll take that I know that's a little bit of an ambiguous answer sorry AJ I actually don't go to too many baseball games to be honest with you uh, although I do admit out of all the sports that that is the one that I think that I'd I am most inclined to go to in person. Uh, and then the last thing would be, I mean, it, just any ice cream flavor, but I would say it, it's, it's a little bit of a dumb answer, but the Nathan's hot dog, because I love being reminded how exceptionally fine they are. <laughs> And how, especially like if you go to like Yankee State, how overpriced they are. It's like seven dollars for this hot dog. That's fine. It tastes good. It feels right. I will say that much. It does feel right to have a hot dog at at um a baseball game. But every time I have it, I'm always just like, yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. There's eight dollars down the drain. It's like one of those where I'm just like, oh my god, these prices are out of control. Uh, but yeah, I don't really, I'm not really a big baseball uh, game guy all the time, and I'm especially not a big uh, ballpark snack guy, especially because since the money. But if there was the definitive one. It is the Cracker Jack. Now let's move on to the next question. Uh, comes from Dylan Short at Dylan X Short. Shout out Lockdown Braves uh, and shout out Lockdown Blue Jays with AJ Andrews. Definitely go listen to that. Uh, how heavy will the crown you make for you, Darvish, be? Uh, I would say about like three gigajoules. I don't even know what the proper estimate uh, weight measurement would be, but here's the thing. You Darvish, I just think that part of not only is he good, but I'm also just a really big, uh, really excited to bring him and his following over to San Diego. I really think that that's going to be like an underrated aspect of this that people might not be expecting. The dude's super famous, obviously, uh, especially where he comes from. But I guess I imagine something kind of like Chopper from One Piece or Conquer from Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Those level of crowns for Sir You Darvish. Um, but thanks for the question, Dylan. Uh, next question from Locked On Astros podcast at Locked On Astros. Uh, how does the ever-changing world of WandaVision relate to the rise of the San Diego Padres and Tatish Jr.? This is an absolutely insane question. Uh, gonna try my best not to do any spoilers in this for sure, guys. Uh, you know, so be careful. If you don't want even the slightest of ideas uh, of what's going on in WandaVision, then, you know, 
tune ahead maybe like a minute or so. Um, I'd say that it relates in the sense that I'd say AJ Prowler would be Wanda. I think he'd be the Scarlet Witch. I think he's the one turning everything on its head. It's a show that's kind of about resetting expectations, this bizarre world of events kind of is the best way I can describe it without spoiling anything. And I'd say the bizarro factor is just the fact that he's making the Padres good. He's making the Padres relevant. They have a top payroll. That's extremely uh, non-Padres-esque, especially for them. And just Preller's kind of being liable to trade for anybody at any given moment. Uh, that's kind of the the feeling you get when you're watching Wild Division, where you're kind of like, I really genuinely think anything is going to happen. I don't know what's going on. Uh, that's me, oftentimes, especially. And then the crazy moments, like maybe what happened in the last episode, are like the Blake Snell trades. You know, it's just the type of stuff that comes out of nowhere, or not totally out of nowhere. Like there's some basis in it, but it's still surprising to see, and you're still kind of losing your mind. That's the best connection I could possibly make. And Tatis is like. Like, I don't know who Tatis would even be. Tatis is just the the the, the kid. He's just, I don't even know. I, I don't even. There's no character that really correlates with him in WandaVision. Uh, he's not Vision. He's not Wanda. He's just the result of everything going kind of off the walls and in a good way. For the Padres, at least. Uh, crazy, really ridiculous question. Sorry if I couldn't uh, make as great of a connection to that as I usually do for other connections. Uh, moving on, though. Jason Burke at by Jason B. Cast the Padres in your favorite Marvel movie. Uh, this is also feels like one of those two-pronged ways of going about uh, uh, not only getting me to just cast the Padres in a Marvel movie, but also revealing what my favorite Marvel movie is. And while it's kind of hard for me to boil it down to just one, I have like a bunch of nominees for me. It's probably between something like Logan, Dark Knight, Spider-Verse, uh, X-Men 2. That's right, the old old like X-Men movies from like 2004, 2005. X-Men 2 would be there. And then in terms of like the MCU specifically, I'd say probably between like Winter Soldier and Ragnarok is pretty good. It, it's hard to... To decide between the MCU movies, but I actually think that if I had a favorite Marvel movie, uh, it would not be from the MCU. It would probably be, if I had to choose one, it would be Spider-Verse in this case. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, guys, it's like my favorite thing. I've literally written about Spider-Verse before. Uh, so I'm going to say Spider-Verse. And for casting, it's a little bit tricky because that's kind of a more resplendent, kind of jovial, mostly kind of upbeat movie for the most part. It's, it has that like energy to it. So it's a little bit hard to be uh, serious with that when it comes to the Padres. But I'm going to say... For at least some of the characters to go through the main cast, for Miles Morales, I'm going to say it's between two people. It's between Fernando Tatis Jr. and Jake Cronenworth for two reasons. Number one, Tatis is the star. All right, he's a star of Miles is a star of Spider Verse. Tatis is a star of the Padres. He's young, he's affable, he's got that energy to him. But I don't know if Miles is as it, like got that like super duper swagger. I don't know because Tatis is almost like. Like, you're, you're scared because he's too cool. You know what I mean? I don't know if Miles gives that much of a vibe. But then I don't... For Cronenworth, the only relation that I have, really, is because he's kind of the guy who's still on the come-up. You know, for most of Spider-Verse, he's trying to figure out his powers and whatnot. Cronenworth, it's kind of the same thing. He's trying to figure out his stuff and trying to figure out, you know, how he can be the best hero that he can be. So it's between those two. I would lean more towards Tatis. It is the simple answer, obviously, but just wanted to throw that in there as a little bit of potential uh, uh, counter to it. Uh, For Peter B. Parker, Spider-Man, I said between Will Myers and Mike Clevenger, both of those guys, uh, especially the latter, uh, strike me as kind of having that... Or 
laid back sort of veteran personality. I'd definitely say so in the case of Myers. He's been there before. He's been on some good teams before, certainly. I mean, with the Rays, he was pretty good. Um, Clevenger, in terms of like the laid back personality perspective, uh, absolutely. Like Clevenger, just go read his Twitter account. Go read the captions he writes. But maybe he's a little bit too out there and eccentric for Peter B. Parker. Peter B. Parker is like laid back average Joe type. So I'm going to say Will Myers for this one. Spider-Woman slash Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, whatever. This one's a little bit tough. I went with Eric Hosmer, but it didn't it didn't really feel right. If we're being if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I instead like the idea of going with maybe you Darvish or someone like Jerickson Profar. These t- type of youngins coming in here. The difference is that Gwen Stacy in the movie is a lot more like very obviously capable and very knowledgeable. While Jerickson Profar, it's basically only his first like good season he's had in a while, so it's a little bit too you know jump happy. Are we pulling the trigger on that? I'm not necessarily sure. While Hosmer, it's more of a like that guy comes from another universe and he's a winner in a lot of ways, but he's a little bit more, a little bit normal i'd say comparatively but i don't know it's between those two for that role uh uncle aaron uh i had as manny machado uh for a lot of different reasons the fact that he's you know strong he's powerful really cool character um but he does have a little bit of a dark past you know what i mean manny machado is known for having all these dirty player controversies back when he was with baltimore even on the dodgers with uh i think it was this run into to first base with i forgot who it was it Jesus Aguilar, I believe. It's not as crazy. You know, you just had Dustin Pedroia retire the other day. His slide into second base. I'm not, you know, saying whether or not it was good or bad, whatever he did, whether it was intentional or whatnot. I'm just saying he's got a a dark past, and I think that uh, Uncle Aaron in Spider-Verse definitely fits the bill for that. Um, Jeff Miles' dad, I said Jace Tingler. It's... He's the mentor. He's the mentor figure, kind of the end. And I know that the mentor figure in this movie is actually uh, Peter B. Parker, but I don't know. I just think Jace Tingler is a little bit more serious than I think uh, uh, Peter B. Parker is. So I think that um, he doesn't fit for that. So I put him for uh, Miles' dad. Just a, a nice performer. And it especially fits if it's Tatis, because then you can maybe make that connection and say at, he's a little bit disappointed with Miles in some ways in the movie. He's a little bit annoyed with his graffiti and all this stuff. Maybe at one point, uh, Tingler, you know, at one point was viewed as this guy who was disappointed in Tatis in the 3-0 thing. Who knows? Um, but that's uh, another one for them. Aunt May, I put AJ Preller. She's kind of like clearly supposed to be this Madam Web kind of in charge of the whole universe, understands everything that's going on, recruits everybody. You know, there you go, AJ Preller. Uh, Spider Ham, Jerkson Profar, he's just the goon. I, lo- I love Jer- just great chemistry guy. Uh, Jabba Lady's performance as Spider Ham in this movie for sure uh, was just super off the walls and ridiculous. And Profar, in a lot of ways, is a super exciting player. Uh, just the way he is, his little mannerisms and whatnot. Uh, for Spider Man Noir, I put Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> Um, just because I swear he's he's like a mystery man. That dude had didn't say like one thing all season, uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really fun, uh, and he was just silent but deadly. That's the way I would describe it. I don't. I know that Spider-Man Noir in the movie was a little bit funnier and whatnot, so maybe it doesn't fit as much. He was a little bit more ridiculous, but that's who I put for that one. Um, for the Kingpin, I know it's not technically a Padre. I get that, but the Dodgers—they're the villain. They're recruiting all these guys. They're recruiting their own uh, Olivia Octavius and Hammerhead and Scorpion and Prowler and all that stuff. They have their own supervillain league, I guess, of of guys that we have to compete against. So that would be mine. So that's my casting for Spider-Verse for the Padres. I know I had like 
two people for a lot of those roles, but hey, sometimes you can't be perfect. Next question, though. We got to keep it moving. Gabrielle Starr. That's right, guys, who's been on the podcast plenty of times, at GFstar1. That's G-F-S-T-A-R-R-1. Who is your favorite crossover buddy? Uh, Well, not you. Because you didn't pick the Karate Kid that one time in our bracket. No, I'm kidding. Uh, honestly, Gabrielle's been awesome. And uh, I will say, though, this is just the ultimate, like, fishing for compliments question. Gabrielle, what the heck is this? Uh, you're, I thought you were above this. Just trying to get me to praise you on my podcast. I will say, though, out of all the times that I've had a crossover with Gabrielle uh, over these 200 episodes, my favorite, actually, that we did was when we talked about our favorite pieces of sports writing of all time. Uh, like feature stories, puff pieces, whatever, like some of our favorite uh, writings, including some of uh, our own stuff that we wrote about. I talked about a book that I read when I was a kid, um, and I really liked how both of our favorite pieces, hers is a favorite of the Yankees, even though she's a Red Sox fan, it was something about the Yankees, and mine, despite my hatred for Boston, is actually a piece about the, the Red Sox. It was called The the Yankees Suck Stories, done by, done by Amos Rashad, I believe is his name, uh, back in Grantland, the Grantland days. It's one, it's probably arguably my favorite piece of anything of all time. So I really enjoyed that crossover, but it's sort of just other crossovers. Got to give shout out to, to Ryland Styles at our Thanksgiving thing. Got to give a shout out to AJ and Stacy. Uh, AJ Andrews, who's been mentioned before, uh, asked a question before, and Stacy got Sulius of Lockdown Yankees. We did like this debate pod that I think is supremely underrated by the way I thought that was amazing uh the pod we did it before the season we did this debate format uh between Glaber Torres and Fernando Tatis Jr. who's gonna end up having the better career in season uh that was so much fun and I think it is really one of the most overlooked episodes and I call it debated's loaded <laughs> instead of debases loaded it's debated's loaded really it's it's a stretch it's a stretch for the pun there, but still, I thought it was all right. Uh, Aram Layton of Lockdown Marlins. Whenever he's on, it is such a nerdy, nerdy talk about prospect stuff. And you go, oh, his curve percentage. And I like his swing. He scores up to the plate, but he's had a little problem, you know, doing this. And off days. Like, he can, he breaks down prospects and everything in su- such a smart way. So I've always enjoyed when Aram's on the show. And then lastly, uh, Ryland Styles, uh, who, honestly, another underrated pod that we did was the Thanksgiving episode where we did a draft of favorite Thanksgiving foods and activities which is just absolutely ridiculous. Of course, I've enjoyed all the Locked On uh, crossovers. I've done a ton of them. Jason Burke, Ben Kaspik, Millard Thomas, Jeff Snyder, everybody. Like, there's so many, so many people. And since I'm already, we're already like 18 minutes deep in this podcast, I'm going to leave it at that uh, and continue on to the next question, which is actually about, it is from Mr. Ryland Styles at Ryland underscore Styles. Have you had acorn squash recently? I alluded to that we had a Thanksgiving uh, draft um, kind of question podcast that we did um, over, you know, back when Thanksgiving was still happening. And one of the things that happened during that podcast, you guys could go listen to it. I think along with the Stacey and AJ podcast uh, debate one, I think that it's one of the most underrated ones we've done. Uh, and I picked a cord squash as an entree or a dish at one point. And, and Riley was just completely appalled. He's like, what are you talking about? I've never even heard of this in my life. Who the heck has this? Uh, no, I haven't had a cord squash recently. So I guess you won that little debate and I guess you proved your point. But uh, I don't know. Sound off in the comments or sound off on Twitter against me. I'm not crazy, right? Acorn squash is definitely something that people have for Thanksgiving. Is it just me? I really hope it's not just me. Uh, Anyway, next question. It is from another one that I was just, you know, gushing over. Mr. Aram Layton at Aram Layton 8. Who do the Padres think they are? (laughs) 
<laughs> and what do they want with Garrett Cooper? In parentheses, seriously though, where would he even play? So there's a couple things on this. I saw this rumor started coming out just a few days ago. So this is a recent, this is kind of up-to-date question here. Shout out to Aaron for that. Um, I think it comes down to, so the Padres definitely probably want to add some more depth to their offense. I do think to a degree they got a little bit fortunate with their health last year. I know that guys like Hosmer and Tommy Pham got hurt, but still they're lucky that Grisham broke out and Cronenworth broke out. So I think he wants to, you know, have a little bit of some backups, especially with, I think, Eric Hosmer, who's getting paid obviously a whole lot of money. And I think that you want to make sure that, you know, maybe he's getting up there a little bit in age that, Maybe he's becoming one of those guys that might be a health risk. I don't know for sure, but Garrett Cooper is a first baseman, and he can play outfield, so he has the utility thing going uh, his way, but I'd say it might come down to just the fact that he's only owed, I believe, like $1.8 million for next season and he's under team control, so you, there's some flexibility with that, it might come down to just the fact that you you get this guy who had a pretty decent 2020, people like the intangibles, uh, the, the, the the underlying statistics with him, I should say, uh, and maybe they're buying into it, AJ Prowler thinks it's legit. One thing you gotta know, Arab, any player that's good, uh, by default, AJ Prowler is interested in him, or that he thinks is good, That's it's just, just that, that simple for him, I think. Uh, and maybe it might just be a thing of, they wanna allocate some of their resources to signing some guys for the bullpen, maybe guys like Trevor Rosenthal, and maybe they would rather pay like just a million bucks for a guy that they think is going to be pretty good as a utility kind of back of the bench piece. That's the only thing I could think of. Otherwise, I was really shocked to hear that. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what they what the, what they're thinking exactly on that one. But before we continue with the mailbag, guys, that's right. We have plenty of more questions to go. But before we get to them, I want to talk to you about something really, really important. You know, the Super Bowl just passed. I know, I know. And you know, must some people might be thinking, what? Sports are possibly going on. Well, if you're thinking that, you're kind of crazy. We got the NBA going on. We got college basketball still going on. And there's only one place that has you covered when it comes to your betting kind of places and stuff that you need. And only one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and now i have to talk to you guys about the yummiest tastiest protein bar on the market that is built bar guys not only are they covered in 100 chocolate and soft and easy to chew which is already you're already interested aren't you i know you you're already starting to pull up the Safari browser and pulling and typing in Built Bar to check these things out. Well, on top of that, my favorite thing about Built Bar is they have such a great variety of flavors. They've got 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. And if that doesn't get you all interested and salivating, then check out the six amazing new flavors they've got. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If those flavors don't sound appetizing to you, I understand to a degree, I think you're crazy, but remember, you know, I tried like their mint brownie flavor, and I don't really like mint as a flavor, really. I'm just one of those people, doesn't work for me, but I really like the Built Bar flavor. That's the thing. Even though you might not like the flavor, Built Bars are just that good. 
And for a limited time, very quickly, you got to rush to get the right after you finish listening to this podcast. They have a coconut brownie chunk flavor, which let me tell you guys, might be my favorite flavor at all. And I'm not just saying that I tried them. Ho daddyo, are those things good, guys? And on top of all that, like I said, they're protein bars, so they're great and healthy for you. They're great for the keto diet, thanks to high fiber, high protein, low sugar, low calorie counts. Go to BuiltBar.com, guys, and use promo code LOCKEDON. It'll get 20% off your next order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And now, let's keep it rolling, everybody. Rolling, 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 because we still got plenty of questions. It's already been a long pod. It is a chunky boy pod today, everybody. We got all the questions. And now for the next set of questions, I actually reached out to a Facebook group. It's called the Padres Fan Club group on Facebook. And I decided, why not? Because Reddit may or not may not have rejected me and didn't want to ask me any questions. And there was some uh, comments that were like, you're, you stink and you're just an LO, you're just NL West and Dodgers. You're not a real Padres guy. So I, I didn't really get any from them, but I did get some from Facebook. So let's go through those. First one comes from, from a fella by the name of Casey Stewart. How about another outfield bat and who will close? Thanks. Straight to the point by my guy here. Uh, another outfield bat who will close um, for the Padres. Firstly, let's attach to the latter part of that question. I think Pomeranz is probably the closer for next year. Uh, not just because he's good, but I think regardless of who they sign, uh, I think that his contract that they gave him suggests that they may or may not have told him they might have been like, yo, you're going to be our closer. Like, that's why, that's a part of the reason why we're going to give you this contract. Uh, it turned out to be that. Kirby Yates was supposed to be the closer heading into this past season, but then he, you know, kind of fell off, and then they end up having the Rosenthal trade, so I actually think that's going to be Pomeranz, regardless of what happens, if they bring back Rosenthal or whatever, and now to go on to another question from somebody else, because uh, your question about outfield bat uh, is a little bit similar to his, Kurt Moore asks, who are the options to fill out our offensive bench? Do we need to go out and bring in a couple free agents? So, yeah, I think when it comes to the outfield, there are plenty of interesting guys. You've got Ryan, believe it or not, Ryan Braun as a free agent and he's not good anymore but I don't know as like a backup kind of utility guy that'd be interesting I don't know if he's gonna take that or accept that we'll have to see uh honestly out of other free agents Jed Jerko I'd love to bring him Jack because I just think it'd be funny because he was such a kind of a mess with the Padres I think I just think it'd be funny because he was this guy we were constantly wanting to see that power like be more consistent from him uh Billy Hamilton no I do not want someone like that the Padres I feel like haven't had good luck with speedy defensive guys uh over the past few years when you look at guys like Everett Cabrera and Manny Margot just didn't really kind of come to fruition for him so I don't want go in that direction. Jackie Bradley Jr. Is, is a name people might bring up, but he's a center fielder. We already got a center fielder in Grisham. Danny Santana might be an interesting name. Brett Gardner, one of my favorite players in all of baseball, and I haven't really dove into on the podcast why that's true, uh, why Brett Gardner is one of my favorite players, but Brett Gardner might be interesting. Left field guy, I don't know. He could be interesting. I don't know, though, what's going on between him and the Yankees. I'm still assuming that he's going to resign with the Yankees. Uh, but I'd say if I had to have my number one guy that I want the Padres to get, it's someone like Brad Miller. I just feel like the utility that he offers at multiple positions is what the Padres need, just in case anybody gets hurt or what have you. Um maybe even Kevin Plar. I'm not really sure which of the outfield guys. They all kind of are meshing together to me at this point. Yasiel Puig would be a fun name, but I don't think he would fit for the team necessarily. It'd be fun. 
it'd be another yet another character to add for the Padres, but I don't think that that's the direction they're going to go. I don't know. I think Brad Miller just for his utility. And honestly, the Garrett Cooper thing, I, I don't hate it as long as they don't give up anything crazy. And they get this guy who can fill in for Hosmer whenever they need to. It might be a nice little solid move to make an iron at the bench. Um, next question comes from Juan Torres. What was the worst trade in Padres history? My friend, that would be the one that netted them Goose Gossage. Just kidding, obviously. I've detailed before at the very beginning of this podcast that I did not like Goose Gossage and his personality, uh, but obviously that wasn't the worst trade. It comes down to a few. It's definitely probably, they say that it's probably um, some guys before my time. I am on the young side of things, if people didn't know for some reason. Uh, probably some something like the the Ozzie Smith trade or the Roberto Alomar trade, just because the Roberto Alomar trade, based on what I understand, is they were both perceived as definitely good at the time. And the guy they got back, Tony Fernandez, was like a pretty good uh, defensive stud. So some people would say that. Um, I would probably say, it pains me to say, you could say Trey Turner for, for Will Myers, but Will Myers might be becoming good now and he is young enough. So we might have to like, just put a temporary pause on that one for worst trade ever. Anthony Rizzo, that trade is bad, but they did get Cashner who I think people at the time, people forget he was supposed to be good. Like, it's not like they traded for some scrub. Cashner was, uh, at one point suggested to be an ace type of quality pitcher. Um, I still think it was weird to give up on Rizzo. People were so excited about him. So that's like my number two. But number one, I think it's got to be the Corey Kluber trade because it was just a throwaway and he turns out to be terrible. Now, my argument would be we didn't know exactly, but even still, his numbers were still kind of interesting. He deserved a chance and for you to give him away uh, at the time, especially when it's not like you had all that much interesting stuff at the major league level that was keeping him from, uh, you know, advancing in your system uh i'd say Corey kluber probably being the worst trade he ends up winning two Cy Youngs, guys i mean come on and we'll see what happens uh this year i'm very curious to see if he's able to kind of be one of the rare one year uh contract guys who works out with the yankees because i want to see if does he have anything left usually it doesn't go go that way and it usually turns out no the injuries have kind of piled up on him and he's done but i'd still be i'm still going to be curious to follow that storyline um Next question from Christopher Garcia. What is your honest thought with Tatis? Do you think he should get his big contract now or after this upcoming season? For him, so there's two things on this. If I were him, if I were him, and granted, this is him, this is his money, uh, not that I can judge, but if I were him, I'd take the deal that has the less amount of years. I saw something that was being floated around that was like a seven-year, 280 type of deal, a little bit maybe close to like that Nolan Arenado type of contract. He is only 22 years old, so that would take him to like 28, and then he could then cash in again, you know, for maybe the mega, mega deal, like a you know, uh, what I can't even think, like eight years, four, nine, 80, I don't know. But then in terms of the Padres, in fairness, in fairness, and I've always said this when it comes to the Padres, I would be thrilled if they extended Tatis, but in fairness, I know people might get mad, I can understand them being a little bit reticent to be like, let's give this guy a 13-year deal who, truth be told, hasn't actually played a full season's worth of games. It, look, I think he's a beast. I really do. Like, everything suggests his hard hit velocity, whatever numbers you want to throw out there, that he's a superstar in the league. I do get that. But I do admit that to an extent, it's not like, you know, it's totally unreasonable for the Padres and management to be like, oh, let's give it another year. 
You know, the difficult thing is that the more you, the longer that you wait, the more money you end up having to give him. So I don't really know. According to all reports from the Athletic and Dennis Lynn, is that AJ Preller and Tatis have been talking constantly for the most part and going over the contract and all that type of stuff. But I think that my take is if the Padres could do one of those six-year deals right now. Uh, that that would kind of be it. Just because you want to kind of wait and see where the chips fall. Don't be too bullish on a season that, granted, was arguably one of the best teams in franchise history, but it was a 60-game sample size. So don't get overly bullish. We don't know what's going to happen next year for sure, even though, by my approximation and many others, they're going to be real, real, real good, and they have a chance at a title. My next question comes from Michelle Mink. Atlanta, St. Louis, and Dodgers are probably favorites to win their divisions this season. Do agree. How many wins will it take, in parentheses, assuming all games are played, to clinch home field in through NL playoffs? So here's the thing. It's actually funny because this is a timely question too because there were some projections that came out from from, uh, Baseball Prospectus today for the American League and National League. And I found the National League ones just completely absurd. They actually had uh, the Brewers favored to win that division with an 89-win season. Then they had the Cubs. Then they had the Cardinals third, despite the fact that they're clearly probably the best team in that division, and they just traded for Nolan Arenado. Uh, and then in the NL East, which is, you know, talking about the Braves, like you mentioned, they had the Mets with 96 wins. They had the Nationals with 85 wins, Phillies with 83 wins, the Braves with only 82 wins. Which I thought was crazy. Last time, that's what I don't get. I think people are. I wonder if that projections thing is based a little bit off of people just being really down on Atlanta teams and being kind of. They've been associated with just absolute failure. If you guys remember, we have the 3 1 blow up uh, this season in baseball with the. Braves losing to the Dodgers, unable to close it out. And then you have, like, around the same time, the Falcons blowing these unbelievable leads to the Dallas Cowboys and then the Chicago Bears. So it's like there was a real narrative towards the end of 2020 where everybody was kind of bringing up the whole Atlanta misery thing. So I'm wondering if that's playing a little bit of a role of people being really down on them. But this is an excellent team. They've got Max Fried, uh, who turned into a borderline ace, like borderline like top seven pitcher in the NL last season. And then they've got returning Mike Soroka, who was their ace the previous year that was supposed to be awesome again. Uh, so he's coming back. They, they brought back Ozuna. They still have guys like Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, and Ronald Acuna. Like, their offense is better than the Padres, by the way. I know that we love the Padres and everything, but the and I know that they have the more exciting players, you could argue, between the two teams. You could argue. But... The Braves were better in, in essentially every category. Maybe there were some clutch stats, maybe, or some bases uh, scoring opportunities during the regular season that the Padres were a little bit better in. But the Braves' offense is better, and while they can't match up maybe with the starting pitching, that team's going to be good. I don't understand how, why they're only two games above 500 is what they're projected to be. I think that that's ridiculous, and they're being way too bullish on the Mets, who I think are going to be good. But, yes, they got Lindor. Yes, they brought back they brought in Marcus Stroman. Yes, they got Carlos Carrasco somehow in that um, Lindor deal. But let's be careful. They are the Mets after all. So I think that's a little bit much. I think it's going to be something like 99 wins, 98 wins, because it's very rare, but it looks like we're in for a situation where the Padres uh, could be a second-place team decide, despite winning maybe 96 games, which is what the projections from these baseball pro uh, projections have. The Dodgers at 103 wins, Padres at 96 wins. I think part of that is just because the depth of the Dodgers, that if they were to suffer an injury, they're just so loaded that no matter what happens, even if they have some poor luck their way, they can recover pretty, pretty quickly. 
Plus, they also just signed Trevor Bauer. So I think the number to maybe aim for is like 98 on the high side, 99, maybe 100. But I don't know if the depth can match up with some other teams. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you that the favorites should be. I know that baseball, the baseball perspective projections are weird, but I do think that the Cardinals and the Braves should be favored to win their divisions. I think the Cardinals are not going to be the team that they're aiming for. Maybe the Braves, we'll see, because remember that offense is good and they've definitely got a, some better pitching than people, I think, realize. Um, so they're going to be a tough team, but I do think that the Padres have the starting rotation advantage over them. As long as they're better than those teams, I think they're better than the Cardinals, despite all the trades and moves they've been making. And I think they could be better than the Braves. So I think that around 98 wins is what I'm looking for. Uh, but that's it for the Facebook question, guys. Now let's move on to the last of the stuff that I got on Twitter. But it was via the old DM from two good friends of mine because they're too apparently cowardly to publicly ask me a question. Apparently. Apparently that's the that's what's going on here. First, it is my friend Emma who DM'd me at Emma Rose Spags. Uh, top 10 rappers dead or, dead or alive. Or five if that's easier. Fun question. It's the age-old question. It's kind of like I'd say when it comes to top 10 lists, This question in top five NBA players seem to be the ones that people talk about the most. I don't know about you guys, but amongst my generation, that feels like the things we're always debating about. For me, my favorite uh, is Kendrick. I think Kendrick is just, I think there's a lot of narrative value to him. I think the fact that this is a dude who released that untitled unmastered album and it was better than most hip hop records that came out that year. And it was literally just samples like unfinished samples and it was better than most stuff that got released that year uh that for me and then on top of his the movie soundtrack for black panther being really good especially because you know it's not like movie soundtracks are always perceived as being you know the best of an artist's work uh that was really good and he really just hasn't released anything that was really bad not even he hasn't released anything that's been decent I would argue. I think he's released only at minimum great, which is just incredible, right? And then Tupac, maybe this I would probably put in the top five as well. Just the influence by my approximation. I'm not the biggest music expert in the world. I should probably say that. Um, but and then after that, I'd probably say Biggie. It's Biggie and Tupac. I feel like are kind of interchangeable when it comes to influence on hip hop culture. And then for me. I don't want to put Drake in there. I feel like you have to. I'm going to put him there steadily as a placeholder for one of the fifth spots. Um, but I would say that Kanye West, look, we don't have to get into the personal life at all that stuff. But I think Kanye, even when his, I don't think it in terms of lyrically, he's the best rapper. I don't even think he craps the top 10, you could argue in that respect. His, I mean, don't get me started on the Father Stretch My Arms song and the stupid opening lyrics he has set. Not the Kid Cudi part. Like, I can't say the words. Something with the t-shirt. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just, I think his lyrics are really terrible sometimes. But even when his, as a producer, as a musical artist, he really is incredible. Uh, I know we've kind of forgotten that to a degree. And at least even when I don't think his albums have been necessarily good. Like, I didn't particularly like Yeezus. I didn't particularly love Life of Pablo. Um, they're at least interesting. Mightily interesting. So Kanye would be in there. If we're just talking about regular hip-hop artists and I'm allowed to include groups, uh, my second behind uh, Kendrick would be uh, Tribe Called Quest. I mean, you know, I, I don't really know what to say. I'm a big jazzy type of guy. I'm really like the calm, soothing nature of their music. I've gotten into them more, especially over the last two years, I'd say, of my life. Uh, you know, just incredible. And I think Thank You for Your Service, uh, the album they released back in 2017, 2016 is mightily underrated, by the way. Their last album, I think it was just phenomenal. It was it was so, so good. The beat on Killing Season 
is one of the hardest things I've heard in um, hip hop in, in a while. It's so so good. Everyone go listen to that album. And personally, my other favorite rapper ever. I know he's not in the top ten or the top five, but Mac Miller. R.I.P. Uh, I'm a big Mac fan. I've written about him before. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a tremendous uh, Mac Miller fan. Um, but she also asked me another question. Shout out to Emma. She asked me another question. She said, and here's a fun one. If you could go on any competition reality show of your choosing, which would it be, past or present? And you know anything. My number one, there's two. Okay, so some, there's actually a couple. There's some funny ones like Legend of the Hidden Temple. Shout out the Blue Monkeys or no, Blue Barracudas. Blue Barracudas was my team. I actually have a t-shirt for them. Uh, Dog Eat Dog because people, uh, it's a little bit of a horny show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it is actually, that show's a little weird. I remember like seeing it on TV. I think when I was with my dad a few years ago, like they were doing playbacks on GSN or something. And that show's just weird, man. That show was something. I was seeing some clips on YouTube. That's a very odd show. Uh, very mean show, I think. Um, my two answers are, uh, my two official answers, Wipeout, because I'm not going to win this thing. Um, I remember watching it to death. I just think it would be funny and it would make for some good memories and for some fun, like, yeah, if I don't complete the course, it's whatever. Like, if I don't win, if I don't move on, I don't care. I probably wouldn't. I'm not athletic at all. But it would be really funny and it would be something that I could get roasted for by my friends for years to come. And then the other one would be this really obscure show called The Tester. It was this thing from PlayStation. It was a PlayStation reality gaming show where whoever wins gets to basically get a job with PlayStation. And I think I would be nasty at that I think I would have been really good um it was really bad and it was like a PlayStation store exclusive I don't even know if you could find the beginning seasons of that anymore I'm about to look it up after this just to relive that nostalgia I had like heading into high school watching this dumb show um that would be my other one but number one would be a uh, wipeout because I think it'd be fun I remember they even had that that little baseball uh themed course actually in some of the later episodes I forgot what it was exactly you had to jump to home plate too so that would be really fun I'd definitely choose wipeout and then lastly, my last person, my good old friend Gabs, Anthony Gabadelli, Gabs on Twitter with the Italian kind of, uh, the ooh, I don't know what it's called, the, the, the motion with the hands uh, emoji, at Ant Gabs. First question, his regular thing is, do you think Tatis has MVP potential in the next few years? Also, happy one-year anniversary. Thank you. I know it's, this has been a whole long pod. We're going to try and uh, finish this question up pretty quickly. So, yes. Obviously, I think he has MVP potential. It all comes down to can he put together the season for the, you know, what he did last year and elongate over the course of an entire season? Does the defense stay legit? Does the everything about his power stay legit? If it does, this is like a 45 homer guy with above average offense in terms of his batting average, a decent ability to get on base. I know that he's not like a 400 guy, decent in terms of MVP candidates, because oftentimes MVP candidates are in like the 400 range. It feels like these days, especially if you're going up against trout uh, I think another thing that's going to have to play a part in this is if the Padres win like 96 games will that be enough if Tatis say he bats 315 370 on base with like 40 homers and like 25 steals or whatever and he's awesome he has some good moments and he's the exciting player in the league does that outweigh if M Mike Trout has a war of like like one better like his war is like 7.5 and Tatis is like 6.8 something like that you know what I mean uh will people finally just be like all right guys like if the Angels weren't any good can we just at least be giving the award to a team that was a little bit more memorable and mattered I know that Trout 
is better. I'm just saying. I, I've talked about this enough. Uh, so yeah, that's probably what it comes down to. And then he asked me a bunch of questions, a, a bunch of crazy questions, honestly. And I'm going to go through those in rapid fire fashion to close out the mailbag guys. He said, who's your favorite Padre on the team now and from the past? Uh, now, the easy answer is Tatis. I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to go Cronenworth just because it became kind of a thing between me and another friend of mine, Daniel Epstein. Uh, from the past, just to be a jerk, Anthony Rizzo. No, I'm not kidding. My actual answer is Seth Smith or Tyson Ross, I'd say, from the past. Uh, pick any player from any team. Who would be the perfect fit right now for the Padres? I'd say Matt Olson. Talked about this with Jason Burke, actually. I think it would be awesome. I know that you can't actually, let's just say, contracts and you can move around anybody. I would I would do the, the Hosmer for Matt Olson swap. I would love that guy on the team for sure. I know he wasn't very good last year, but that would be one. Um, thoughts on the Trevor Bauer deal? Pete, my podcast from Friday. I don't want to go through that. This is rapid fire. Favorite Super Bowl commercial from Sunday? It's the USA Swimming commercial on Jessica Long, the kind of uh, disabled swimmer. And guys, not going to lie to you, I was with one of my friends. I watched the Super Bowl. I got really choked up, man. It was it was a really good commercial. It got me. It got me really good. Uh, how good would a dinosaur be if they played basketball? Depends on the species. If it's a velociraptor, maybe it becomes good at fielding and whatnot and tagging out runners. But uh, that's it. Wouldn't it be very good? That was a very odd question. And then best sports team name, Portland Trailblazers would be my answer for that. And that's it. Holy cow. Guys, that wraps up the Chunky Boy Pod uh, here. This giant 200th episode mailbag extravaganza. Some would say I should have split this into two parts, and those people would probably be right. Actually, they're definitely right. But I wanted to kiss settle it down all into one episode because it's the 200th episode. So I figured, hey, you know, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hopefully I wasn't too long before we officially close out the pod and give my last thoughts, I want to talk to you about something real important. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, which is a daily podcast breaking down the b- biggest stories with analysis from our local experts, including sometimes yours truly when big news breaks. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Really great idea that they're going for there at the Locked On Network. I recommend listening to it. It's fantastic. And Pete is a great one. And now in terms of this podcast, guys, tomorrow and then Saturday, because I was late. I know I was so late with the podcast this week. I was waiting for some questions to come in, had some work come up, uh, and I just wanted to wait. So we're going to do another one on Saturday. But hopefully this today's Chunky Boy made up for the fact that I was late. Tomorrow and Saturday is going to be part one and part two of my p- conversation with Bryce Paterik of Locked On Rangers. Uh, really fun chat. We, we just kind of shot it. Shoot, shot the you-know-what. You know, it was it was, it was a lot of fun. And then on Monday or next week, I should say, when I get to it, uh, probably going to post one a piece of my conversation with Jason Burke of Locked On A's casting Marvel characters uh, as similar to what I did earlier with Spider-Verse as MLB players. And it was a really fun conversation. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And lastly, just want to say, hey, man. 200 episodes, everybody who listens, I know that some people, you know, don't like the podcast and think that I'm a fake fan and all that stuff, even though I feel like I've been very transparent in saying I haven't been following the team as long as many others. I've only been following them for something like four or five years-ish, and, you know, I I still hope that all those people, that they enjoy the podcast, that you like my energy, I try to bring energy to every show that I do and try to be you know, try to be me in a lot of ways. And it's been a really great year and it's definitely been something that's opened up some opportunities. Shout out to Sean Woodley for giving me the chance on this. Uh, great boss. He's the he's the best. And, you know, I don't want to get too super dramatic about it. You know, I don't want to get too melodramatic. It's 200 episodes and hopefully, you know, I'm still here. 
I'm still here, everybody, whether you, I guess you like me or not. Uh, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever, wherever, just wherever. Wherever you get your podcast from, guys, you will find it. Be sure to follow the show or myself on Twitter at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno. Be sure to rate me some five stars on iTunes uh, Apple Podcast app if you don't mind. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.